Good evening. Good. It's good to have this number out back back with us for our second half of our worship service. This evening, I want us to have a, a reminder, if you will. A reminder of something that's that needs to stay fresh into our minds. It's salvation. We made mention of that this morning, which kind of spurred this lesson on. So as you turn with me uh, to 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 13 is where our actual lesson or verse for our lesson is going to come from but imagine this we got to get the context of it because context is exceedingly important so when we back up to in first john chapter five we're going to start in the sixth verse you might think wow the sixth verse hey sometimes you got to back up a whole chapter because it keeps going therefore 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 so whenever we think of, of, of the resurrection we're going to hear that again this evening when you think about salvation when you think about eternal life, all these things are going to fit together. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. If it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is true. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. All right, now we see the context before we move into the next verse. Notice what verse 12 says. He who has the Son has life. Now, if you remember, in John... Well, I'll just drew, I'll just drew a blank on that. John chapter 14, verse 6, if I'm not mistaken. Let me get my pages cooperate here. I did. I just drew a blank on that verse. I'm trying to do better on my book, chapter, and verse and remembering it. John chapter 14. Oh, I apologize. I'm going to get it right. It does help if I go to John, not Luke. John 14 in verse 6, if I'm not mistaken. There we go. Yes. Whenever Jesus says, I am the way, truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through or by me. Now, I knew the verse. I just can't remember the book, chapter, and verse. Like I said, I'm trying to get better at that. So first, uh, when we think back in 1 John, whenever John also writes in John 14, verse 6, right? He talks about Christ saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, back here in 1 John Chapter 5, verse 12, he who has the Son has life. Right? Well, let's stop there before we don't have the Son. So those who have the Son, those who have Jesus Christ, you might ask yourself, well, how do I know if I have Jesus Christ? That might be a question rattling around in your mind. Well, let's think about this. How faithful are you? The things that you say, the things that you think, the way that you conduct yourself, is it Christ-like? The things that you condone, Romans chapter 1. The things that you uh, 
that, are, that is accepted in your eyes. In your eyes, because if you're representing God, you're going to have his word to know that things going on in the world today are not accepted in God's eyes in a general sense. That being sin. That being things that are iniquitous in our eyes and God's eyes as well. He who has the Son has life. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a resurrection to life waiting for you? You can know without a shadow of a doubt right now. You can also know if you have death waiting for you. And I'm sure you it's going to be horrible on that day. Well, the rest of verse 12, He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, this example of two resurrections. You might hear the resurrection of Christ. Well, of course, God raised Christ. After those three days, Christ spent in the grave. Three days, God resurrected him. Now he's at the right hand of God. Even Stephen himself seen him there. So let's think about those who do not have the Son of God. Those who, without a shadow of a doubt, know that they're disobedient to God. Know what they're doing, what they're participating in, what they condone, what they find acceptable. Is not accepted of God according to his scriptures. Now, I did not say man's law. I did not say the testimony of man because we can receive the testimony of man. We can see it everywhere. We're talking about the testimony of God. His instructions for us. What he says is accepted. Now, I want to ask the question, those who hear my voice. Do you have the Son of God? You might say, well, of course I've been baptized for the remission of sins. I understand Galatians 3.27 tells us that's how we put Christ on. You're 100% correct. But you can also take him off. You can also turn your back, just like John in verse 6, 6 and 66, when those disciples left him and walked with him no more. You can take that option. It's a sad option, but you can take it. To walk in the world looking like the world. Let's not look like the world. We're right there in Romans chapter 12. The very first two verses. And those are two of my favorite verses in our Bible class. Do not be conformed to this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have we done that? Do we realize whether or not we have the Son of God or not? Do you have life awaiting for you or the absence of life, that being death? Revelations 21 8 speaks of that second death. It gives a small list there, and if you can't remember that list, go study it. Write them down. And in verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, excuse me, who believe on, in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is wrote to Christians, disciples of Christ, a child of God. Someone who has put Christ on through baptism. You know whether or not you've done that. You know whether or not the gospel has pricked your heart enough to be immersed for the remission of your sins. It's a big moment in your spiritual life. It's kind of large. And each and every one, I remember it vividly. 
I remember when Thomas assisted Melissa and myself. I remember that. Some of y'all even remember that. And if my friends back in the 10, maybe 20 years ago would probably laugh at the thought of me being immersed. What? Yes. I had a wake-up call, if you will. My heart was changed. I began to realize I didn't have life awaiting for me. I knew I did not have the Son of, the Son of God. I did not have Jesus Christ in my heart. I didn't. I was lost. Verse 13 is written to someone who has been baptized for the remission of sins. And that you may continue to believe. To know without a shadow of doubt that you have salvation awaiting for you. That promise. That goal that we made mention of this morning. That goal of everlasting life. Know that awaits you. Knowing with that thought in your mind, knowing that salvation awaits you, you should continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That being Jesus Christ. We, may, we read Christ's prayer this morning by him praying for future, future disciples or future uh, believers in him to know this. That prayer is just as much of effective today as it was in the first century because God spoke it on your behalf. Those who believe, he spoke it on your behalf. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He assures them of this promise of everlasting life. He assures them of it. He assures us of it. And we're going to read it tonight to again... Refresh our minds on the promise of God unto his who are faithful. For we know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be clothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Right, stop there. Back in verse 1 refers to an earthly tent. You're looking at it, this earth. We have a place where we reside. We have things that we enjoy. We, may, we even make prayers. And we thank God for the things that we enjoy. Whether it be the seasons, the trees, the flowers. Some of y'all might not respond to the grass so much, but I'd rather have grass in desert. That's just me personally. I sure do like spring. Everything starts turning green. It just looks so beautiful. 
That's the work of God. That's His creation with His hands. This tent, this earthly tent, if it's destroyed, and it will be, if this tent is destroyed, know that we have a house, a habitation. It ain't built with hands. Or it is not built with hands. Artists would say ain't, wouldn't you? He would. It's built by the hands of God. It's a new heaven. A new earth. That's one side of it. But when you think about verse 1 very closely, what about those who do not have an earthly place that's built for those who are faithful? There's another habitation that they're going to indwell. They're going to have partakings of. A lake of fire is what has been described as. New heavens, new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, excuse me, is going to have streets of gold. That's what it's been described as. The, our streets today, they're usually paved with asphalt. And if you go down south, they like to use seashells as whatever's available, right? The cheapest thing they can find is to pave a road with. They don't last very long, neither. Gold. Could you imagine the price it would cost, how much it would cost for the price of having your street paved with gold? Wow. That'd be a lot, wouldn't it? Now that's a description of the worth of heaven to us. Could imagine the, the, the street out here in front of the Booth Chapel is not the best road in the world, but it's paved, right? Imagine they go back over and pave it with gold. There'd be folks trying to steal that left and right. There'd be folks trying to pick that stuff out of the dirt and take it home with them. You're very right, Doug. It'd be gone the next day. You're very right. Now imagine that. In heaven, it's described as the worth that's this worth to us. What how valuable it is. The opposite of that is terrifying. It's a lake of fire. That's what it's been described as. It's a place designed for the adversary of God. That's why he built it. So Satan can be punished for eternity for doing one thing that people do today. They can't be under the control of God. They can't. They won't. I'm not going to say never because I used to think that way. Now I'm glad he's got the reins, if you will. There's a song, Jesus Take the Wheel, right? That's right. But now we have an earthly tent, right? We, we dwell in. It will be gone one day. But this is referring to faithful Christians. For we, that being Christians, know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. All right, heavens, right? That, the place that are faithful, that resurrection of life, that those are going to endure, the thing Christ came to this earth for. So we can have our sins remitted. So we can stand justified before God on judgment day. So we don't hear those horrible things back in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. 23 being more, more expressed. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I will declare unto them I never knew you. This is not referred to those. This is referred to those who are assured of a place with God. Built by God. 
For in this we groan, in verse 2, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Wow. We earn for it. We, we, we yearn for it. We're ready for it. Remember what Paul said. Remember what Paul said when he was about, he was at the end of his life. He was fixing to be killed. For he knew this. And he understood that, that his, this life was going to end one day just as each and every one of us know. But he said something significant that, that stays fresh into my mind and I want it to stay fresh in your mind. For me to live is Christ but to die is gain. He understood death was a gain. He understood the leaving of this earth, this house, this tent. Leaving that was a gain. That's going from a shack to a mansion if you put it in earthly terms. We groan. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. A child of God, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ should, should not be afraid of death. We shouldn't. Yeah, the uncertainty of it, the, the, the not knowing how, when, why, that's kind of unsettling, but we do not need to be afraid of it. Folks, we're all going to go. Don't get me wrong. We're all going to pass from this life unto the next. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, right, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that happens on Judgment Day. Hebrews 9.27, if you consider God's word the truth, Hebrews 9.27 tells us for it's appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment. For as we groan, but as we, we read 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, we got the context of it, it says we can know that we have salvation. If you believe in Christ, and you can know what you're doing is pleasing in the eyes of God, you're going to earn for it. You're going you're to groan for it. You're going to earnestly desire this habitation from God, and that is salvation. Salvation. If indeed, verse 3, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Because if God gives you this place to dwell, if, if he gives you this place that you've, that you've yearned for, you've been faithful, Revelations 2.10, unto death. So whenever you've been faithful for the rest of your life, and you've been found not lacking, not wanting, you've been found complete, on judgment day. This habitation that God will give you, you're going to be further clothed with it. You're going to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, verse 2. Verse 3 says, for if we're clothed with our habitation, we're not going to be found naked. Now imagine this. How many of y'all had that dream when you, maybe in high school or work or something like that, and you're, and you're at work and you're in your underwear. You ever had that dream? Have you ever had that happen before? I've seen one. Be honest with me. Come on now. Yes, I have. No? Okay. Well, some of it, it's bad. Did you wake up? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Whew. It's kind of shameful, wasn't it? He's standing in front of all your peers and standing there in your, in your boxers, right? Just, ooh, it was bad, right? Imagine that with nothing, right? Because it's all going to be revealed on Judgment Day. You're going to be standing there. Those who have going to be found naked because if we're clothed with our habitation from God, which means there's going to be some that's going to be found naked. Those who are going to be found lacking. Those who are going to be found wanting. That being those who are unfaithful. Cast into utter dark, outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
That idea of shamefulness comes to mind, doesn't it? Stand before God having no excuse, having disobeyed Him for your entire life. Having no excuse, plenty of opportunities. And you stand there before Him full of shame. It's going to be bad for those individuals. My plea is, is not of this number. Those who the faces I see every Sunday, sometimes out in the community. I hope it's none of y'all. But I can't do it for you, and you can't do it for me. That idea of standing before God is justified. I can encourage you, but you have to make the decision to obey God. And in verse 4, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now when you think of the idea of further clothed, this habitation from God that he's going to give you as you remain faithful, we groan for that. Not because we want to be unclothed, we want to further clothe. That, that idea of everlasting life. How, how pleasing, what type of picture does it pop into your mind? How pleasing does that sound to you? Of, of everlasting life, heaven, bliss, no pain, no suffering. We went over this a couple of weeks ago where God will take care of those who are his, those whom he knows. Because I believe in Matthew 7, verse 23, Christ says, For I never knew you, those who are found naked, those who are going to be ashamed on that day. Ooh, that's going to be scary. That's, I don't want to think about that. It's horrible. But on that day, an opportunity of changing, I need to get rid of this shame. I need to get rid of it. I'm, 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 I'm naked. That day it's over. That's judgment day. Right? That's about the best way I can predict that scene. That dream that you had. I mean, some of y'all had. Some of y'all shake your head, no, never had that happen before. It's an odd feeling. It's an odd feeling to wake up and, and realize you're dreaming. It's like, whoo, I'm glad I was dreaming. And I've showed up to work before with two different boots. I mean, I've done that. That's about the best I've done for the actual happenings of that. But you woke up and you realize, wow, that was just a dream. That shamefulness, if it wasn't a dream. Because on Judgment Day, folks, that ain't going to be a dream. You're going to be found lacking and wanting if you have sin in your heart. That's those who we're going to find naked. But we burn. We, we, we groan. We're, we're being burdened because we're here. And the promise is there. That, that burden that falls on us to remain faithful. To be obedient. To be obedient to God's word is that burdensome. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Whenever Christ took his mortality off. Because he's immortal now. Christ died once for everybody. He died once for you. He died once for me. He died once for everybody. But he has life now. He died, but he has life now. Same way with you and I. In retrospect, if you will. Mortality will be swallowed up by life. Everlasting life. We will not be mortal anymore. We will never die again. Because, folks, there's no death in heaven. Mm -mm. There's no death in heaven. There's no death in this 
habitation which is from heaven, there's, there's no death in there. In verse 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. We've made a, we've made a statement in here before at Booth Chapel, and I agree with you. If you're not, in, if you're not happy in church, you're not going to be happy in heaven. If you're not happy around your fellow Christians, if you don't find joy in that, your joy ain't going to be full on Judgment Day because God is preparing you for heaven right now. As you're taking His Word into your hearts, when you go home and open up your Bibles and you study and you read from it and you put it into heart and you, and you come across something you're unaware of and you study, you dive in, and you, oh, that's what it means. How many times has that happened to me? That's unfathomable. Many times this happened. I don't understand this. I have to dig further. Oh, okay, and that's what it means. Sometimes it even helps from y'all, those in the audience. To be aware of God's Word and to put it into our hearts, He's preparing us for something. It's heaven. He's preparing us for a dwelling place with Him for eternity. How many of y'all have a person that's a little bit annoying? I, be, 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 be truthful. It's just okay. Some of y'all have nobody that's annoying. I see a couple of little hands going, yeah, it's all right, right? We're not going to get along with everybody. There's a certain group of folks that we're not going to be able to get along with. Now imagine spending an eternity with that person. How pleasing would that be? Wouldn't be too happy, would it? Wouldn't it be too good of a good place? I believe heaven has been reserved to as a place where our joy will be full. So as God is preparing us, He's preparing your hearts, He's preparing your minds for in the presence of Him. To be enwrapped around Him. To be one with Him. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Christ referred to this to the apostles as the comforter, the helper, the Spirit of truth. That's who Christ described to the apostles. The apostles had a little bit different of a, of a degree of the Holy Spirit as you and I have. Now we get a degree of it, but not to their degree. Their degree was to help them, to make them clear, to make them understand what the truth was so they can preach the gospel in its entirety, 100%. And you and I get a little part of that as we are faithful. As we are obedient to God, he gives us a little, a little part of it. How bad do you feel when you sin? How empty do you feel when you sin when you fall short? That's the absence of the Holy Spirit. That thing that tells you, I don't need to do that. God tells me through His Word that I can't do that. Let me clarify that. Through His Word. I do not mean direct operation by no means. If we believe direct operation, nobody would sin. Right? He has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And in verse 6. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body... We are absent from the Lord. Right, verse 6. You might think, wait a minute. 
For we we groan and we earnestly wait for this habitation that comes from God, but we still have to be here most assuredly. Remember Paul, my, my reference to Paul when he said, for me to live is Christ but to die is gain? His live part is important for us. For me to live is Christ and stop there. How do we look out there in the community? How do we look when we're around people? How do we look when we're by ourselves? Because we can sin when we're by ourselves. Because we're never really by ourselves. How do we look? Who do we look like? Is it Christ? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. He says, as I'm still breathing, as I'm still here absent from the Lord, I'm home in the body, I'm going to look like Jesus Christ. That was his goal. That should be our goal today. To look like Christ. Because we are absent from the Lord. We're not, none of us is in heaven yet, are we? He's at the right hand of God. He's waiting for his coming, his, excuse me, his second coming, sending his reapers to collect those who are his. He's waiting for that. So we're not there yet. We're still, we're still here in the body. Verse 6, the very first part of it. So we are always confident. You ever seen somebody who's confident? I can only apply this to maybe your work. That's, that's about, the way, about the closest thing I can apply it to. Your, your jobs or something that you're good at. Are you confident in it? Well, some of y'all have retired. The things that you used to do, right? Were you confident in that work? I see one person, it was two people, it was confident in their work. Maybe y'all need to go back to work, right? I see some, mm-mm. <laughs> the things that we do, are we confident in them? The, the, the things that we do, how about as a child of God? As a child of God. If someone was to come up and ask you a question, y'all folks in the Church of Christ, why don't y'all have any music in y'all's worship service? Do you feel confident in answering that question? Do you feel confident in that? Do you know the reason why we don't have instrumental music in our worship service? First off, it's never been approved of God or Christ. It's never been approved under His new covenant. Old covenant, yes, most assuredly. But David, did David not play music? He did under the Mosaic Law. We've been told a cappella singing, right? Will somebody come and ask you that question? Confidence. Where does that come from? Studying God's Word. That's where you receive your confidence. To be able to give book, chapter, and verse, the one thing I'm personally working on, of every answer that you can give. Book, chapter, and verse is indisputable, irrefutable. It's right there from God himself. So we are always confident in the idea of being present with God, at home with him, absent from the bodies where we're going to get in the next couple of verses. Verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. All right. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The things that you do that's that's pleasing in God's eyes, why do you do them? Why, Why do you do the things that's pleasing in God's eyes upon this earth? While we're here upon this earth, while we're here absent from the Lord, we're here in the body, why do we do the things that's pleasing in God's eyes? Through by faith. Because God has commanded us to do things. He has given us a promise. And we have faith in that promise. The promise of everlasting life. 
I enjoy Hebrews chapter 11. That's the chapter of faith. Or the chapter of faiths, plural. Faith is described as believing in something. It's believing in something even though it ain't been seen yet. So here, if we're walking by sight, you're not going to have faith because you've already seen it. None of us have seen heaven. Not one of us. But guess what? It's there. It's waiting. Christ is there. God is there. The Holy Spirit's there. Are we ready to join them? Are we ready to be with them? Only you can answer for yourself. 2 Corinthians verse 8. We are confident. Yes. Well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Verse 8. Amen. To be absent from this old mortal body. This thing that gives us so many problems, so many aches, so many pains, this thing to put it off and to put on immortality. How wonderful would that be? So much more better, more pleasing, more wonderful. I ain't going to make up a word, Daniel. I'm just going to leave that alone. It's more better. The idea of taking this body off and to go be with our Lord and Savior in heaven. Our actions tell us that. What are your actions saying tonight? Are your actions saying what 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 said? Do you know that you have salvation waiting for you? Or are you guessing? Don't guess. Oh, please don't guess. No. It says no. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you without a shadow of a doubt, know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Do you know tonight? Do you have sin in your hearts? Are you, in, are you enveloped in sin? Are you, are you hanging on to it? Let it go. That sin will not save you. Sure, it's fun on this earth. Oh, it's, it's wonderful in this earth. But guess what? That sin will condemn you on judgment day. Because it's displeasing in the eyes of God and he will not stand for it. Folks, we made a good discussion this morning on hate. Mark had a wonderful description of as a child of God, can we hate? One thing we can, that's sin. Because God hates it. Paul, he hated it. He hated his actions that he did when it's displeasing in the eyes of God. He hated sinning. Just as you and I should do it as well. To hate it enough to not even participate have nothing to do with it. Do you have everlasting life awaiting you? Do you know? This evening. We can make that change. If it's a no, we can make a change. We can say, yes. I've taken my old sinful ways and put them behind me and I've yet to pick him up. Sometimes we do. We need to put him back. He or she, we need to put that person back in the grave. Keep that person buried because that person has no hope. Do you need to be immersed tonight? Why wait? Because tomorrow's not promised. Christ may come now. Were you ready? It happens that quick, folks. It happens that quick. And everlasting life or everlasting death. Keep that in your minds. It happens that quick. So my encouragement tonight do not walk out of those doors. Do not continue on in your life being lost. Come back, whether it need to be repentance or baptism. 
and know without a shadow of doubt you have everlasting life waiting for you. Does that need to go from a yes, from a no to a yes tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand, as we sing a song of invitation?